0: Welcome back to the How Do I Get There podcast. It's been a hot minute since I've recorded one of these episodes and I'm so excited. I'm your host Kizer. If you didn't know, today we have Gavin Michael Booth on. He's a fantastic director. He recently did Last Call, which played in a bunch of festivals. I think it's still playing in some festivals and you might just be able to see it in your local theater. Just keep an eye out. Um, You know, you can always check the description notes and all the links and stuff will be there it's it's just an all-around great episode we talk about a lot we um i try to focus on a lot of the questions to be more focused for any filmmaker that's uh stuck in the shorts filmmaking scenes trying to uh move over to the features realm and so a lot of what we talk about is like the business side is how to uh, make the transition into you know something that can potentially put you in a path to a career rather than just an art form that's a hobby i'm not gonna hold you guys on for too long uh, i hope you guys enjoy the episode and this is episode what is it episode six i can't even remember enjoy Hey, Kevin, how's it going?
1: Doing as well as anyone can in strange times.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, welcome on the show. Uh, I guess, uh, like, my first question is, is uh, what are you kind of up to right now? Like, what are you you doing, especially during this whole uh, pandemic right now?
1: It's actually been pretty busy, right? Right up until when everything started, I was out at film festivals. Uh, I, I had three festivals sort of back to back. And as I was leaving, the last one is exactly when, when lockdown started. Uh, and at first, it's just kind of like, you know, I think like everybody just had a, a week, a week or two of kind of, uh, I don't know what to do. I really yeah. don't know what to do, especially in the film industry. But slowly but surely, you know, the gear started turning on. Well, I've like got this laundry list of, you know, passion projects, short films that I've shot that need to be edited. I've got, mm. this is going to be the greatest time to get some writing done. Uh, and also, then the quest to, to look for work so that I could pay my bills and stay stay alive. Uh, so quarantine just actually keeps getting busier and busier. And I ended up getting a a film deal for something that I'm going to shoot during lockdown. So uh, working very hard on script rewrites and prepping uh, this sort of unique concept film that we're going to be. I'm going to be able to shoot uh, largely from inside my apartment that that keeps everybody safe and social distance and and. Uh, ultimately is a fun project to make
0: yeah that's uh i mean it it, it's quite interesting because i think everyone's um everyone's like day-to-day and weeks have been very very different um some people have been like insanely busy and other people have been just like um just trying to find like uh motivation so to say right because it's it's a really weird time to be able to like um really Get to certain places to be able to, let's say, write, for instance, right? Because uh, because your mind is so cluttered. I'm saying, like, as a writer, I find it sometimes uh, harder when your mind is so occupied um, to be able to get into the certain zones that you would be able to when your mind is clear, right? So it is quite interesting uh, to see everyone's kind of process uh, and everyone's day to day kind of just like you know all of a sudden just change.
1: It's, um, it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really interested. I always try to think forward of like, where are we going to be in five or 10 years and looking back at all the stories, you know, even, even mm. you know, great disasters of our time, things like 9-11, all these stories of hope, like the sort of like Gander, Newfoundland, where all the planes were diverted to. There's always stories of hope and people who overcame mm-hmm. the odds. And I always try to think that like, let's, let's, let's try to be, let's try to look, forward, but at the same time realize, well, how could I be a small part of making that positive change instead of complaining about what's happening? Because we don't we don't have control over it right now. Yeah. So we gotta we have to figure out a way to make the best of it.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm going to kind of like sh- shift gears a little bit, kind of try to bring a little things back. Um, everyone has their own kind of like story in a sense, right? Like how they kind of got into the, into like film and stuff like that. And just for like the, some of the people even just listening right now, um, I'd love to know a little bit more about like what kind of brought you into the, into the film scene, um, like as like a writer, director, so to say, um, like what? What kind of what was the first thing that you're like? Okay, maybe I kind of want to try uh, filmmaking, writing, directing, and so on.
1: It really started in elementary school for me when I was in the eighth grade. Like growing up just outside of Windsor, Ontario, in, in the town of Amherstburg, Uh I would you my it's my mom had. I was in seventh grade, maybe my, my mom had gone back to university later in life. So while I was in seventh and eighth grade, she was, she was at school studying social work and she had to rent a video camera from like a, our local video rental store also rented a camcorder and a lot of people would rent it for the weekend to film family events or kids' birthdays or family vacations. And she had rented it to do an interview with, I think one or two people, uh, that, that she had to present in school and. On the Sunday, it was just kind of like, "Well, can can me and my friends use it? Like, make a little movie." Mm-hmm. And that was that was sort of it. The minute that that happened, I I started. My friends and I would save up our allowances and rent the camera whenever we could for the weekend, and and go out and make these dumb little parody movies like Indiana Jones and the Lost Remote Control or Friday mm-hmm. the Thirteenth Part Twenty Seven, and mm-hmm. we get really inventive. Like if if somebody had a fire pit in their backyard, we'd put. Um, we put somebody in there so their legs up to their torsos in the fire pit mm. and then we'd pretend to like run them over with the lawnmower as if Jason was running them over with the lawnmower and just, you know, it was always ketchup for blood and plexiglass mm. in front of the lens so we could spray blood at the lens and uh and, and it just sort of stuck. And then my high school, uh General Amherst High School in Amherstburg had an amazing video program. They had just upgraded to all this fantastic, you know, broadcast level editing gear and cameras. And I just started getting involved in shooting sports games and sort of like video yearbook type material. And anytime that an English class said, "Hey, you can uh, write an essay or, or do a video," like I'm doing a video, I'm yeah. doing a video. So I was always making short films and trying to push the limits of this, you know, now sort of antiquated equipment that they had. And by the time I was finished high school, it was pretty clear that this is this is what I really want to do. And I've always loved movies and loved creative writing. So when I figured out a basic screenplay format, like, oh, I can write this, and then on the weekend we can go shoot it, um, I, I went that route. And I didn't, I didn't have the money to go to film school, um, nor did I have the patience and sort of attention span for school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I skipped uh, post-secondary education and just started working for myself, essentially doing whatever I could, wedding videos, um, corporate videos, training videos, TV commercials, and I was, I was very good at the creative part, but I was mostly terrible at the organization and business end of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking back, I think it's because I really didn't want to do that. I wanted to make movies, but I, I felt rather than get a, a regular job somewhere else and, and struggle through trying to sell a script, I just thought, well, if I can just stay creative and in the process, probably buy some video gear along the way. Mm-hmm. But then I had to become a full-time business owner and staff people. And, and, and I wasn't particularly fond of that still, still got to do some amazing work. And, uh, and then the, the, one of the big breaks for me was I ended up sneaking, I used to sneak into concerts in Detroit, pretending I was there to interview the band as mm-hmm. press.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and with the help of a local Detroit radio DJ at the time, Steve Grunwald, he helped me get into, uh, the rock band third eye blinds concert many, many years ago. And, uh, kind of hit it off with them and I ended up getting hired by the band to shoot some tour video stuff and the singer of the band was producing, his girlfriend who was a super famous musician at the time uh, was producing her album so I got hired to kind of shoot like a documentary about the making of the record to edit and put that together that came out on, on uh, like a double disc, the CD and the DVD came out together when the music industry was trying to save illegal downloads by giving out free DVDs and, and just kind of kept working from there, just meeting more and more people and, and building my way up until I actually got into making, you know, official music videos that are like short films and then my own short films and features.
0: How much how much do you think um, that world of like music videos and shooting that helped you on your path to like features and shorts features more to say, because I mean, like shorts is uh, lives in a very like trying to build like a portfolio sense features is more of like a business. Um, So how did how much do you think that led into that?
1: I actually did it completely backwards. I made my first feature before Mm. I ever made a music video or a short film. Uh, technically, I made a music video, but it was like a live off the floor right. thing. Where yeah. We're filming yeah. with multi cam- multi camera and editing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I my path was learned by failing because i f- i we made a movie, we finished a movie, and there's mm-hmm. some good elements to it, but it's definitely not something that was ever going to be sold in a in a big way or really like take the industry by storm. But mm-hmm. the best lessons it taught were were. By failing yeah. at so many yeah. elements of it. Uh, and then I, then I wised up and said, oh, maybe I should do some music videos. And uh, I had just, was just talking about this the other day that 2012 for me was a year that I did somewhere around 40 music videos in one year. And it was the best learning experience of my life because there was, the biggest lesson was there was no time to keep tweaking and editing and or overthink things because i i was so bad that was almost a music video a week so i was always in pre-production on one shooting another and editing another all at the same time so there was no time to nitpick the edits and and take forever it was just nope there's a deadline it's got to get out you sort of learn to let go of your art a little bit more Mm -hmm. you just say okay it's it's done and it's out there and i can't think about all the things that i would change and and that's, that's been a valuable lesson. But then also just music videos, every single one of them can be a little different. Sometimes one's comedy and tone, other ones are really dark and sad. It, it could be uplifting. And uh, so it's, it was fun. To, it's almost like jumping between genres and getting a small taste of everything that you know, narrative storytelling has uh, in a very quick process versus yeah. if, I, if, I, if I did a feature in each genre, we're talking about potentially a lifetime's work.
0: Yeah, that's interesting, because, like, I think I did something similar, but in shorts, uh, where, like, I decided as well not to go to film school, and one thing I did was, I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to shoot at least three to four shorts in different genres and play with them and see how uh, the filmmaking is like, and it sounds like, uh, in a sense, you did something similar, but with, like, music videos in a much uh, bigger scale, where it's, like, through this process, like, Uh, I'm sure, like, I'm sure, I mean, you can speak to this in more detail, but I'm sure, like, by the end, you're like, okay, I know definitely how to, like, shoot with, like, this genre and this genre and this scene and this scene a lot better because I've done, like, 40 music videos in all different uh, scups.
1: Yeah, also just the speed, the speed of working where you learn Mm -hmm. to not waste time, you learn in pre-production okay, I know the scene says there's 20 extras, but now I know I only need six and I just keep rearranging and changing hats on their heads or like facing them away from camera. You just learn a lot of the sort of down and dirty tricks that are going to aid you going into making independent features. But then you also, you know, you just, you get to know the post process and, and you just learn, you know, for me, a lot of it was learning like, oh, I don't need sort of all 30 crew positions. There are sometimes it can literally be me and my camera and and the actors and and get something made so it also uh helped me break through sort of the tradition of what you quote unquote need which you hear all the time in this industry but you can't do that because you don't have the budget you don't have you know like my my current film last call uh which you know just so your audience knows we shot the film in a single take and it's also split screen so it's two single takes at the same time you know we were told by everybody like you're never going to pull that off you can't (laughs) do it find a way to hide cuts and but it's like, well, no, but you don't you don't live in my brain and you haven't walked the filmmaking path that I've walked where I know exactly how to make this happen. And yes, it's a huge challenge and it's gonna be more work than anything I've ever attempted before, but nothing ever scared me that we weren't gonna be able to do it
0: right and that, and that's like the whole film is really interesting i haven't gotten a chance to watch it myself but i've seen the trailer it looks absolutely fantastic uh, so congrats on that like that that, that is that is a, a a technical marvel and a shooting marvel uh but 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 it's like you said like when you have a vision for something then the next big thing is just communication right like that's all it is you just got to be able to uh communicate your kind of vision for that to everyone else and then once they get it then it's then it's just like it's it's racing to the ad to the finish line right in a sense yeah. you know Um, we're not
1: we're obviously this is like a much bigger example but i I always i always reference nasa i said you know at one point they're like we're gonna put a a spaceship in outer space that's gonna leave the planet then we're gonna Hmm. go to we had a mars launch this morning actually Mm -hmm. um and you know i you watch those and you're like could you imagine of like the first road bump they hit where they're like oh well we don't understand how much rocket fuel we need to break through the atmosphere. And and they just went, Oh, okay. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess we'll just, we can't do it with rocket fuel. We'll try something else or we just won't make this project. Yeah. And I think you like any problem solving, anything you have to attack, it. you have to sort of exhaust all options before you decide to like, like, because you don't want to lose the ambition of your film. Like part of part of what's going to help you break out in this industry is making things that are are bold statements or you know unique use of camera and editing and things that people haven't done before but what what's great about that is like you should never look at it on the script and just be like immediately you don't want a producer working with you that immediately says we don't have the budget, we can't do this. And it's like, okay, well, yes, from your previous experience, but can we have a brainstorming session where everybody, we have all of these wonderfully creative people in all departments on the film, let's brainstorm it. And after the 20th, you know, idea is presented that we can't do it, then we'll change it. But let's not start at a position of giving up and watering things down, you know, let's, Mm -hmm. let's go for the bold vision.
0: Mm-hmm. what's what's something that I would love to know is before the features right did you try to do a bunch of shorts or did you just go right into the features
1: no I, I jumped right into my first feature and that oh, that was thats that's a lesson I would not advise to anybody um but I, and unless you've unless maybe if you've gone through film school and but I think by nature of film school you probably end up making some shorts along the way um, my first short didn't happen until 2000 uh, 13. And that was, I had just gotten married to my wife, Sarah, who's an actress that I frequently collaborate with. And in order, we, we sort of did a a one day short film shoot, mostly as a test. So we had never worked together previously. Mm -hmm. And we just thought, well, we're married and want to stay married. So if we work together, is that going to be the thing that drives us apart as it does for so many Mm -hmm. people in this Mm -hmm. industry? We did the one day short, uh, which ended up getting into the Fantasia Film Festival. Is that it was a little genre short called To Hell With Love. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time that I got to work with Adrian Ellis, who's my, my regular composer and uh, cinematographer Ian McMillan, who uh, shot The Scarehouse, my feature film, and mm-hmm. is now shooting Dream Crusher, which is the, the sort of in-quarantine project that we're making. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was short film was a much different beast. Cause I filmed for one day instead of, you know, 23 or 24 days in a row. Mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh man, this is much more contained cause you can put all of your effort, you know, so it's like making a short film is, is a 10 K race. And then finishing your feature is like running a marathon every single day for uh, for however many days right, in a row, right, so like right. you, like any athlete, you should train up. You should start with the simplest thing, <laughs> and then right. build build up your skills. Uh, yeah. So I, I highly no, recommend yeah. the short film route.
0: Yeah, and 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 I think that that's something that I tell anyone that's like uh, just making this thing about making a first film or whatever it is. It's like even if you're, uh even if it, even if it's not even just about like. Uh, the practicality of production if it's just more about like learning the medium of the of of the art that you're trying to tell right it's making a short over and over again is going to get you a sense of like oh so this is what this medium is capable of and this is what i'm i'm interested in uh i think something that like i'm fascinated about as well is and i think a lot of people that are living in like the shorts realm is the the business of shorts is very different than the business of features, and um, and I mean shorts don't really have much of a business. Uh, uh, I mean, like some do with like small distributions of through like CBC and other places like that, but especially in like in in the Canadian uh, market, right? Like, how do you? Uh, what's your kind of advice in a sense of like someone that's like making shorts, right? And it's like, okay, well, do I just? do I just like take a loan and for, for like 50 K and make a feature or how do I, or do I just keep making shorts or what's your, like, if you were doing it now, what, what, what would be your approach with the knowledge that you kind of have? It's
1: yeah, it is a strange thing. You know, short films have always been thought of as more of like a calling card. You kind of make yeah. your short to prove what you can do to show producers, show studios, show, you know, telefilm or funding bodies in Canada uh, that you're capable and have the artistic expression and, and a real voice and, and grasp of the medium before somebody's mm-hmm. going to give you money and control of a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know the the great shift there that opened the doors for everybody was YouTube in two thousand five or six, whenever YouTube launched, where suddenly you could put your short film online and share it with the entire world, and you became your own distributor, and, and you could find. You know if you made a sci-fi film well then you could share that link in sci-fi website communities and, and amongst people on social media that, that had little sci-fi groups like you you it changed it, it was a paradigm shift and in, in creators being able to get their content out to the world and so largely short films don't have a revenue stream you can build up a youtube channel and, and put it on there you can like you said there's there's things like omeletto and dust that that yeah. will purchase for a small fee uh, short films, and then it goes on their platform and, and, they, they have millions of followers. So hopefully people end up liking your film. But, um, so technically it's the same process. You're making a short film to get attention on yourself as a filmmaker or an actor or a producer, whatever it is. Cause there's also the great shift of as video technology has gotten cheaper, you know, we're now literally anyone with an iPhone and a laptop can make a feature movie. Um, so there's no more limitations and having to buy expensive film reels and rent expensive cameras and, and have this massive crew yeah and that you know so it's allowed a lot of actors and writers to to become producers and creators and make their own content uh so you know there's there's tons of film festivals all over the world Submitting to film festivals is great. Obviously, a lot of what I'm saying doesn't apply currently because a lot of film festivals have had to go virtual and, and my verdict is still out on if that's going to be a good thing or even remotely the same experience. Because you know, just just submitting your film to one film festival, if you travel and attend the festival, you if if you are good at networking and just talk to people in the lobby and, and go see other people's films, you'll generally meet no less than another 20 to 30 people in the film industry which is exactly why you made the short film to meet other people that you can collaborate with and sort of like it's like growing an army one one man against the film industry is is very difficult but if you can build a core team and, and start to make friends in the industry and collaborate on projects together you will you will infinitely improve your skill sets and your sort of network to get to where you want to be making features or directing television, whatever, whatever the end goal is.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, from what I'm getting from that is it's, it seems very much like, you know, you should make a short, um, collaborate with people help people on their projects and then send it to festivals you know meet people there as well and the slow process of then meeting more people collaborating with more projects and just keep repeating that and building your network is kind of the way to go and that's the path forward to then potentially go on to like features and other stuff like that
1: yeah, the biggest thing, even, even at a festival, it's like um, – I always use the Kevin Costner movie Field of Dreams as a reference. You know, it's, it, it's misquoted because it's actually, if you build it, he will come. I'm talking about his dad, but the, mm-hmm. the popular phrase, if you build it, they will come. And people think, oh, I got in a film festival. Great. People will just show up and see my movie. It's like, well, if you're a short, you're usually in a block of other shorts. So, yes, mm-hmm. there will be some more people there. But it's still your job to promote and draw people out and make sure that they see it. And then Mm -hmm. after the festival, you know, even if you're in a a giant sold out movie theater, what are you talking maximum 300, 400, possibly 500 people seeing the movie? There's a, there's a big, big, big world out there that, that, that wasn't at that one festival. So how are you going to get, you know, the, the best thing you can do is share that around directly, try to meet producers you want to work with and send, you know, get a, find a way to email them and. You know shamelessly stick your short film in front of their face and say hey will you watch this and follow up and bother them and um you know I, I i do that when i'm trying to attract new music video clients or you know i get a lot of like oh well your last film was a horror film do you think you can do a drama it's like okay well i have these two shorts and i have this music video so like just everything just becomes sort of a a tool in your toolkit to help sell yourself Uh, but it's always going to come down to you and a lot of a lot of artists don't want to be sort of business people and marketing people but i would strongly advise understanding how to market a youtube video how to how to help boost and market a facebook video and even largely consider what was your goal in making the short film if your goal was to get as many people to see it as possible so people will will know who you are and sort of help build the brand of you as a filmmaker Maybe don't even go to festivals. Like, sure, if you can get into Sundance, do it. You know, it's going to, it can be life changing. But the, you know, the real truth is the majority of festivals, they're all run by wonderful people. Uh, Sometimes there's wonderful audiences, but they don't, they don't have the clout and the sort of industry attention. Um, So you're always going to meet other filmmakers. It's always a wonderful experience to go and attend. I, I love all, like for last call, for example, we went to, 30 or 40 different festivals and I've, I've loved every single one that I went to. But you know, the downside of it is it, it's still a sliver of the population of planet earth that that sees it at that film festival. And, yep. and we still have the challenge. So I've argued sometimes with people that, you know, if you have a genre film, a sci-fi film or something, perhaps whatever money you were going to spend going to festivals, traveling to festivals uh, you know maybe you're, you bought a new shirt or a new dress or you know you you're buying drinks every night out and, and food and the submission fees like let's say you spend somewhere between two and five thousand dollars to go to a small handful of festivals. Mm-hmm. Maybe take that money and put your film on Facebook and buy Facebook ads to promote, the film and you can get you could potentially get millions of people to watch your film and really target the type of audience that you want people who work in the film industry and like movies about alien attacks or whatever it is you target your ads Mm -hmm. uh you could potentially reach your goal from sitting at home and not having to take weeks of your your life out of because not only are you spending the money to travel to festivals you're taking time away from your job and your family and yeah. and, ev- and everything else at the same time. So um, a lot of people stare at me blankly. And I think what happens is young filmmakers, particularly, you don't really learn all of the faults of the industry and the problems of the industry and the disappointments of the industry until you do it. And it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it's similar. We all look at our parents. Our parents say, oh. You're not old enough to understand because you haven't done this yet. And you look at them like, "Well, you're crazy. That's never going to be me." And then you you get to that stage in your life or, or career or whatever it is, and you go like, uh, they're always yeah. so right." And I just yeah. couldn't see it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's I do try to educate a lot of young filmmakers, but it, it's also when somebody's looking back at you with such wide eyed passion and fury, and like, "I'm the best there is, and I'm going to break through, and it's going to be different for me." i mean i wish them well and i hope they are that one percent that gets the breakout but the reality is um i hope they soak in advice and or at least even reach out and try to take advice from people um you know they just don't always know the industry they know their craft they like making the creative part of it but to not educate yourself as much as possible on the business end of it and you know with, with google and the internet and all these amazing websites like no film school and um, you know, IndieWire articles, what it, whatever it is, there are endless resources to teach yourself about film distribution and how film buying works and what festivals to sort of look out for and what festivals, you know, how, how to go to a festival and have the best experience out of it and gain the most. And like, I just, I encourage anybody listening that's getting into film or just still in their beginning stages to like learn as much as humanly possible at the get-go instead of having to be disappointed and learn learn by failing like I did for years and years
0: yeah it's uh it's it's quite interesting I think the I I think that's very real where it's like um it's not even because a a lot of times you'll you'll know what's right and what's wrong but it's so much like it doesn't sink in as much as it sinks in when it hap when it happens to you Right, um, like at the moment, something like the moment you make a bad decision on a deal, or you sell your short to a place where you thought it would go really well, but now you can't post it anywhere, and it's kind of like stuck in, in with with a company that's not going to do much with it. It's like, oh, okay, now I need to not do that anymore, <laughs> right? Um, yeah,
1: I mean that's the that's the most that's the most heartbreaking thing is you at some point are likely going to have to entrust your film with someone else to do what they say they're going to do. Yeah. And my experience and the experience of so many friends in the industry is that that is, that is never a positive experience. It yeah. always ends up being underwhelming. And, and sometimes you're, like you said, your rights are tied up with them for one year, or if it's a feature it can be some up to 20 years, some of these distribution deals.
0: Yeah.
1: And then that's kind of, that's it. You know and that mm-hmm. that goes right from the studio down you know even even universal studios will have a misfire every once in a while but if you think about the hundreds of people it took to make that movie and do all the marketing and then it, it's still just a dud or audiences just didn't come out for whatever reason or or there's a pandemic and everything everything shifts you know mm-hmm. you'll you know you'll never know so it can it can be heartbreaking and, and and that's the same of music or any art form like how many amazing songs movies short films short films especially because Short films aren't a common thing that that the average you know American or average human goes up goes like you know what I'm going to load up YouTube and watch a bunch of short films tonight. It's just not yeah. the common thought process.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, but there's so much amazing art out there that sadly the world will never see. So it's also I think just setting realistic goals of like my goal was to finish my first film. Well, if you did that, amazing. That's it. You reached your goal. You climbed your mountain. If people see it, that's a bonus. You have to look at everything else as, as sort of bonus goals. Yeah. But you you accomplish the goal. Move on. Start the next thing. Well, you know, build the next goal and climb that mountain. And then hopefully as you're climbing that bigger mountain, you can look back and see that there's some activity on the last peak that you ascended.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm also really interested as someone that's like that is in the States now and was uh, doing and was in Canada before. Like how much Do do you find like your networking and uh, and just opportunities went up or went down depending on like because when you went to the states uh, to do a lot of work?
1: It's so so it's it's interesting because I I split my time between Canada and Mm -hmm. and the United States. I I, it's pretty equal year to year, Mm -hmm. and I but yes, this is the this is the epicenter of the film industry. And yes, a lot of there's Atlanta is a big film hub. Now, obviously Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, Calgary, things are filmed other places, but LA is still the hub. Yeah. And I've been here for five years. Previous to this, I had been on and off. So I had met some people, but you just, but it's, it is like anywhere, like Toronto, anything. If you, if you don't go out to the festivals, if you don't go to the networking events, if you don't go listen to, lectures on film and courses on distribution, you're not going to meet people. So like you have to get out there, but then by the nature of going out there, you start to, uh, just meet people and and talk, talk about your project. Like that's the big thing, you know, like, even if you don't have a manager and an agent to help you kind of get meetings, like the biggest thing is if you, if you've written the script, if you've done the work, if you put, if you put your pitch presentation together, talk to everyone that you ever meet and know about it because they, it's, it's, uncanny the amount of times that somebody goes oh i i was just with this person the other day like it's a giant city but the industry becomes very small if you're just out there networking and meeting people and then it becomes you know it's a little bit of a chess game to just figure out how to position your pieces and 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 cut through to get to to whoever you're, you're trying to pitch to or and it's also just understanding like you know i hear everybody these days be like oh my movie would be perfect for netflix but it's like do you mean because netflix has a lot of money to spend and netflix has the biggest the biggest <laughs> amount of eyeballs have you actually tried to research what makes a netflix movie like what's the average budget what what do they require do they need stars in it do they prefer prefer comedies over this or that um you know you you have to do your homework and that's that's the same in any career field but something about the arts it just gets overlooked all the time and people just are looking for like just a blanket success they're like oh i'm just going to walk into this studio and pitch but it's like you got to know what they're looking for and what what other elements would be helpful to attach and have on your team, like, oh, if I had, uh, I'm pitching a, uh, an action movie. So man, if I could get Jean Claude Van Damme to agree to play a tiny part in it, and he's already attached. Well, when I walk into that studio, their eyes are going to light up a little bit more versus like, what do you have? And you're like, I have this excellent script and nothing mm-hmm. else. Um, so it's, it's, and that's the term that they call packaging of trying to put, you know, trying to put things together yeah, and, yeah. and make your project more sellable which is always an advantage and I, I always try to whenever i'm pitching i think do that but I, I just think the more the more you talk to people the networking comes very easily like even just like you start to get invited to like christmas parties and um you know any kind of holiday party or summer summer party and you just just talk to people and it's, it's it is kind of amazing that like oh well my friend who is a um you know, they're a, they're a Canadian director, but I go over there for Christmas and I'm like standing in front of an actor or a producer that I've loved my entire career suddenly because they know somebody who knows somebody and come to this party. And it feels, it's still, it always feels surreal to me, but it's like, oh, but we all live in the same city. So of course we end up at the same events and the same parties. Mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are always situations where people are pretty relaxed and usually willing to talk, you know? Yeah. Um, so the networking just gets a little easier and easier and then especially if you are working and putting your film out there at festivals and things you people are gonna know who you are faster and faster there's just it's undeniable
0: so talk, going a little bit back to something that you mentioned about and you didn't mention you just mentioned it briefly uh, about like managers and agents right and i don't know too much about uh the inner workings for, for 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 your the way you kind of do business and and work and stuff like that, uh, do you have a manager and agent?
1: Uh, I currently have management. I don't have an agent at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I had a shakeup. I I left yeah. like part of ways with my uh, mm-hmm. manager and agents, and then signed with my new agent, uh, Maritza. Mm-hmm. And it it is interesting. There, you know the the idea of a manager. The basics of it is a manager, somebody who gets to sort of intimately learn all of your projects and what you're about as a filmmaker and then they try to network you they try to help you get meetings get doors open at studios and and help get your projects made where an agent will do some of that but an agent is also you know looking for as as a director it's a little little it's different than an actor it's very simple people are looking for actors so an agent is, is pitching them to to the roles, yeah. but you know, they're also like, they're the deal makers. They're the ones to, to do all the contract review and help, you know, get you the best deal and, and, and shop you work when there's interest out of something that a manager has set up essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, a lot of people get an agent and a manager and then they will, that's it. They just stop and they sit back and they go, "Whoo, I got a team now. They're going to take care of me. And like the, the truth is even with the best of intentions, managers can't, you know they have other clients they have there's only so much time in a day they might be limited in like okay they they know this person at a studio but there's 400 other people that work there that they don't so like you have to i almost treat it like oh i don't have a manager i'm gonna just keep working as hard as i can and keep networking on my own and then but it becomes an amazing thing to have somebody to bounce ideas off of and everyone i do like for example this afternoon i had a meeting uh that's, that was self-generated somebody emailed me from a from a production company and said hey would you want to come in and pitch but i always tell my manager that because a they might say oh we've worked with them in the past i know this person like you know mention me mention this it'll it'll go a long way or they might say, you know what? I don't know anyone in there. So amazing. Get, get your foot in the door. And if you need me to follow up with anything, you start to learn to tag team opportunities mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, you, but, but people who just sit back and go like, oh, my agent, my manager are going to take care of my career. It's like, you're, you're almost, you're almost adding years, if not decades to your struggle because you, you have given up yeah. the fight, you know, it, it, and like, again, simplest analogy. I mean, everybody's just plowed through the Michael Jordan documentary, But if Michael Jordan was like, oh, I have all these other great teammates, I'll just, you know, I'll do a half-assed job and we'll still Mm -hmm. win. It's like, no, you still have to strive to work as hard as humanly possible uh, to be to be the best. And yes, you've got an excellent coach screaming at you and motivating you, but you still have to, you know, Mm -hmm. dig deep, work hard, and 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 commit your you know, this isn't a career that is usually like a, a casual thing. It's it's not, you don't get hired as a director. And then like a corporate office structure, every once in a while, you're going to get a promotion until you retire. Um, You know, every time a project ends, it really is like, well, I'm starting over for the most part, you know, because each project is, you know, it's, it's a different beast. It's different people financing. You're not, you know, some directors are lucky to work with the same studio their whole career or the same financers, but it doesn't, that's not the normal case, especially in independent film. Yeah.
0: What's, what's interesting to me as well is do you find that like most managers end up coming through to you along the journey as you're just tracking along? Or do you find that in most cases, it's like, Hey, now that you've made a bunch of shorts, now that you're like, let's say you're making a feature, you made a feature. Let's say now you're reaching out to managers yourself.
1: It can, it can go either way. Like I definitely know stories. My, I'm I, I feel like the eternal underdog there are ways that I feel like perhaps my career should have broke open a little bit more than it has mm-hmm. um, but this this manager came to me which, which is great and is a good feeling and I think if you just continue to make work and have output and, and show your determination, it's going to attract the people to you like you know my my, my wife being an actress for example same, same sort of thing the minute, that she lands a, a regular occurrence on a tv show let's say there's there's going to be people reaching out because suddenly it's it, there's there's a bit yeah. of a lazy mentality to it and the music industry is the same because i work i work doing so many music videos i see it where they're like oh okay that band that band sounds great or that actor's talented but that director's really talented but once there's traction, they, they it's lazy because they just see like an easier sell now. It's like, oh, okay, they've, d- they've done all the hard work. I can, I can now get behind them. So yes, it is possible to have a manager at the very beginning. Like if you get somebody who truly believes in what you're trying to do and sees the vision and knows that they can help sort of shave off years of that pursuit. But the, the more typical is you're gonna have to go out there and prove yourself against all odds before those allies come in, come into the picture.
0: Yeah, that's a, it, this part of the whole place is always really fascinating because I mean, the the circle that I kind of live in is just like filmmaker. I just know filmmakers and we're all just making shorts. And we're, I mean, especially in the, in Canada, cause it's like the, the funding bodies, the only ones that really exist are all like government based. And so it's all like uh-huh. grants and applications. And, um, uh, and so it, the whole, uh, social media scene and crowdfunding and all that other stuff that's kind of like been really fascinating to me so whenever i'm talking to uh producing friends and stuff like that i'm like no let's like let's put it up online because online anyone can watch it like if you if we're just sending it to like festivals maybe local festivals it's like the same people that we know are watching it, which is great, but it's like our reach is not really going past our immediate circle, right? It's like yeah, it's, it's kind is, of like
1: it's kind of like asking your friends at your birthday party if your birthday party is fun. You know, it's <laughs> right, it's it's, it's you're, right. you're just you're you're preaching to the choir essentially and not right. not branching out. Right. But you know, I, I will say anybody, especially in Toronto, all you need to do is go to Bern Euler and Warren Sonota's Canadian Film Festival, especially if you've just moved to Toronto or just mm-hmm. sort of like starting to get to know people. That independent film festival, you will meet everyone that you need to know to make movies in in that one like week, that one four or five day period, uh, and you'll also see some amazing films and, and go to some amazing parties. But you will, if you just go there and talk, say, "Hey, I'm looking to make movies. I just moved here, or like, you know, I just made my first short film." Like the the Toronto scene is incredibly open and inviting. And I, I remember when I moved there from Windsor, I was just like, oh, people aren't like competitive with one another like they are, but they're still they're much more inclusive. And just there, there was a mentality of like, we can all help each other. How do we collaborate and support each other's work? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that festival and then specifically for, for genre stuff, Blood in the Snow Festival that Kelly Stewart runs is another one where it's just you can you can stand in the lobby of that theater and meet everybody in the Toronto genre community that's that's making making horror movies or sci fi movies or, or whatever it is, um, and and it's just nice to know that outside of everything else that you're going to do to pursue your career, you can still just show up to those two events every year and keep keep me because there is a value in getting you know continuous FaceTime with people, and the longer you spend around the same group of talented people you're likely going to end up collaborating with some of them so there is there's definitely a value to that kind of like repeat audience but yes if, if your goal is to get your work out to to fresh audiences and more people that you haven't met then just then just staying in in an insular sort of submitting pattern for festivals isn't isn't going to be the thing that works for you
0: yeah yeah it's a it's quite interesting because i think that Uh, As someone that's like been trying to focus more and more on like, okay, well, how do we get this feature funded? How do we, what do we do now that we made shorts and stuff like that? I think the whole Canadian... Two american systems are really interesting to look at because they're very different uh at least from my limited understanding where it's like most uh like because in america it seems more of like a business and in, in canada it's more of like an art form right like to the funding bodies themselves it's uh, I, like how do you I, like because someone that like knows that a lot more i'm i'm assuming uh like can can you speak to that a little bit uh what, what are your thoughts on like especially in terms of like funding and investing and for like the like in in america versus versus canada
1: sure um you canada has all these wonderful programs you know telefilm being at the top of that list ontario arts council harold greenberg um well bravo fact is gone for short films mm-hmm. but um much fact is gone i know there's a bell fund for music videos now and um, factor for for music and music video projects, you know, America doesn't have that. You know, when I tell people that the government gives you money to make movies, they just they stare at me like, "What? What alien country do you come from?" <laughs> um, uh, it it definitely comes with a lot of work, and and it is a bit, it is a lottery. Only so many films can get made every year through the system, so the majority of films are not getting through the system. But it's definitely to live and work in Canada. It's something that you just have to accept and learn. Learn those systems. Learn what they're looking for. Learn how to like make killer applications and complete the the work and get your project in there. Um, you know, and they are they do advise on script notes and things like that as well. So they can be very helpful. I'm we did my film, The Scarehouse, House the Telefilm System. I have some problems with how they support the filmmaker after the film is released in terms of legal and um, dealing with distributors that have been dishonest and, and are causing financial harm to the producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is one of the major ways to get a movie financed in Canada because between telefilm and the tax credits that you can get in Ontario, especially, you can have the majority, or at least a very large portion of your film already paid for. So, you might not need to go to private investors. Ask for the, you know, the right. whole say million dollars. You can you can go raise two hundred thousand dollars because the other eight hundred thousand dollars is coming through grants and tax credits and, and right. things of that nature. Right. So, and again, if you just like if everything I just said makes your eyes roll back in your head as a listener to this, going like I just want to direct. Then team up with producers, because there are people who just want to produce and don't want to direct and write things, and, and you know, team up with them to have them take on that, that, the business aspect of, of the career. Um, because that's that's perfectly normal. You know, although Spielberg produces and things, you know, he's largely a director. And then he teams up with the best producers in the industry to get things made and the financing done. But I can't. I can't imagine that Steven Spielberg sits in too many budget meetings. He just says, "This is what I'm looking to do and how I want to do it," and then you know people on the business end of things figure it out. It doesn't mean he doesn't understand how it's done. He's just focusing on on the art part that he wants. So you don't have to be a, a jack of all trades. You can really master you know one or two elements of your craft. If you're a writer, director, or director editor, um, don't don't take on, don't bite off everything else if you don't have to. Yeah. Uh, so in America, it's, it's much more free enterprise. People here just understand that any business, if you want to start a business, which every film is sort of its own business, you got to find people who believe in it, people that are willing to put up the, that risk risk capital to get it made, and then go off to the races. But you can smartly prepare yourself where you can go to distributors in advance and say, listen, I'm going to make this movie. Here's the script. Would you like to get involved now? And potentially put up a minimum guarantee, put some of the budget that we can make the movie in our hands now, knowing that you're going to be the distributor. Um, so there, there, there are there are. It's not telefilm. It's, it's not you know sort of quote unquote free money from the government, but there are ways to sort of like not have to use entirely private investment to get things done in the U.S. But what I find the U.S. just much more understands that entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. And I I can never tell in Canada if it's because the system has been around forever that most or a lot of the film industry just relies on it. So they don't think outside of the box in terms of private investment. But the truth is, you know, Canada, just there's a smaller population, there's less movie theaters, there's less people that are renting on Amazon, everything. So by nature, spending the same amount of money if your film is only going to stay in Canada and not break out to other parts of the world to to recoup money, you can't spend as much money. Yeah. So the the government end of it helps you create a larger budget, uh, you know, technically a a better production value piece of cinema or get some bigger name actors in it. But it, but the risk is is averted for the large point because it's not it's not somebody's private money entirely.
0: Uh, I think that's. I think this is like a really great place to end it off, um, dude. It's Gavin. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Uh, where can people see anything that you're trying to do right now?
1: Sure. I mean, my my website is gavinmichaelbooth.com. That's got tons of shorts and music videos and uh, other feature stuff and lots of behind the scenes. The film Last Call that I was discussing earlier is being released. Uh, theatrically and on VOD around September 18th uh, through Mutiny Pictures. So we just signed that deal. Knock on wood, it? Stays. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, it might it might be virtual theaters. It might might be no theaters. Who who knows? Every month is a new. Uh, it's yeah. even you know. I don't know if you saw in the news. there's an earthquake this morning in in Los Angeles. We all I got woken up that. at four thirty in the morning, and, and it's just like yeah. I just start seeing the jokes of like, hey, who had who had er- L A earthquake on their twenty twenty bingo card of all the, the bad things that are happening this year. Uh, but last call, yeah, I you know YouTube vimeo my facebook page you can you can go to last one take but the trailer's there there's a little making of the film about how we made the single take movie uh but it, it did very well festivals reviews so far have been nothing but extremely positive and we're just super excited for the world to sort of see our little artsy fartsy single take movie now and uh so getting excited for that release and putting together the dvd materials and uh, and then I, I always have music videos coming out. So if, you, if you're interested, you can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, on, on Facebook. I'm, I'm always around. And, and I always say this too. I'm always super happy to talk to filmmakers out there that are looking for advice or you know need, need help on a project or anything. I, 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 I 100% believe at all levels of this industry, we have to look out for each other and stick together and work together however we can. So I'm, I'm always happy to chat with people. So don't be shy
0: yeah i'll put i'll put all your links in the in the show's description so anyone who really does want to follow that up uh it'll just be there dude it's been an absolute pleasure um i i can't wait to actually watch it once it actually does come out hopefully you know theaters is still showing it and theaters have not i might
1: i might might know a guy with a private screener link for somebody who just hosted me very generously on their podcast that's all (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) all right all right all right take care okay take care Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I had a blast talking to Gavin. I watched his trailer, the last call, and he w- it was just immediately, I'm like, all right, I need to talk to this filmmaker. And that kind of brings up a point that I really want to make to any of the filmmakers that are starting out and are trying to get a better footing in the industry. Podcasting and networking is huge, and podcasting specifically is a platform that you have the ability to talk to filmmakers who would have been very hard to talk to otherwise. And so I definitely think uh, starting a podcast, even if it's not to get your podcast big, but just to network, uh, could actually be a really good platform. I didn't want to give you guys with a little bit of a call to action, leaving you guys this episode specifically because there's so much information and with the quarantine going on. So if you guys do actually start a podcast and are looking for guests and uh to be honest not even looking for guests if you just release an episode send it to me i'd love to listen to it i'd love to um talk to you guys answer any of your questions and yeah i finished one of my films uh i'm really excited uh we'll be releasing it soon i've left all the links in the description for everything else for gavin and my stuff as well uh follow please follow him he is a fantastic filmmaker and he deserves all the all the love if you follow him from me just be like hey come from, coming from the podcast uh, you were great to you were great to listen to or whatever That's really about it, guys. Uh, I hope you guys are here for the next episode. Hopefully it's sooner than the last one. Sorry. Sorry for the delay.